Hello and welcome to the OT Schoolhouse podcast, your source for school-based occupational therapy tips, interviews, and professional development. Now, to get the conversation started, here is your host, Jason Davies. Class is officially in session. Hey there, and welcome back for what I'm calling is the first episode of the 2021-2022 school year of the OT Schoolhouse podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. My name is Jason Davies, and I am an occupational therapist down in Southern California, but I am happy to be with you wherever you are in the world listening today. Really appreciate you being here. Today, I wanted to have a podcast that really embodied the return to schools. Because right now, you know, some of you got back to school, to the physical building at the end of last school year or some part of last school year. For others of us, we're just going back in person this year. And so I really wanted something that would embody that. You know, this is a start to a school year like none other. There is just so much, I don't want to use the word controversy, but really there is controversy about everything that's going on right now. And so We're going to set that controversy aside, and we're going to talk about ergonomics today. And why I think ergonomics is the perfect topic for today is because, like I said, we have people who have been learning from their couches, learning from their beds, learning from their home offices, whether you are an adult like you and I probably are, or a kid. They've been learning from their bed. You've been maybe working from your bed or couch. And now we're all having to go back into work potentially, and that is going to be a big change on our own bodies. And so today I am bringing on Kirsten Bechet. She is a doctorate of occupational therapist. She studied at University of Southern California, my own alma mater, fight on. Football season is coming up for all you Trojans out there and everyone else who's interested in football. And then she ended up getting her OTD at Boston University. And we'll actually talk a little bit about that as we get started with this interview. She is a ergonomic specialist and you know, she's actually pretty new to school-based OT, and so she's going to talk to us about ergonomics in school-based OT, as well as ergonomics outside of school-based OT for any of you who have ever had an interest in what that might look like. So kick back, relax, put that phone away if you haven't already, and please enjoy this interview with Kirsten Bechet. Hey, Kirsten, welcome to the OT Schoolhouse podcast. How are you doing today? Hey, Jason. I'm so happy to be here. I'm doing great. Awesome. And you know what? I have to start with this because you just said you're going on a trip. And by the time people hear this, you will probably already be back. But tell us, where are you going? Yeah, I'm going to Egypt tomorrow. My husband is actually born and raised in Cairo. So we are going to see family. Oh, wow. So it's not just for, I mean, just to have fun. I mean, it is to have fun, obviously, but (laughs) it's also to see some family, huh? Yeah, yeah. I've I've done the pyramids before. I've been on the camels. So I think this one will be a pretty low-key family <laughs> family visit. <laughs> Not too much sightseeing, just kind of taking easy, eating some good food, I'm sure. Lots and of food. Good it's, company. it's always about the food for me, for sure. So oh, yeah? uh, I think that part will for, absolutely be a big piece of it. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, man. I've never been to Egypt. Never been to, uh, I mean, I've been to Europe, but that's about, I've only been to Europe and Peru as far as outside of the country. Um, unless you count the Virgin Islands, but eh, whatever. Um, but yeah, that would be fun going down to Egypt. And it sounds like you've been there before. So that's got to be a once good time. before. Okay. Yeah, I'm still relatively a newbie, but you know, I have a family of experts. <laughs> so <laughs> I get the insider scoop. 
There you go. That's always nice, right? Doing some of the local stuff as opposed to some of the tourist yeah. stuff. So very cool. Well, we are actually here to talk a lot about ergonomics today. You have done ergonomics both in the schools as well as outside of the schools. And we're going to talk all about that. But first, I want to give you an opportunity opportunity to share a little bit about yourself and your background as far as occupational therapy. Yeah. So um, this is always kind of a fun question, how people got into it. I graduated um, with my bachelor's degree in psychology and music. And I was initially thinking about studying cognitive psychology, maybe trying to get into a PhD program. I applied to those, but it just kind of didn't work out. And so I graduated with my bachelor's degree and was like, well, I don't have a plan now. (laughs) What am I going to do? And my dad actually mentioned he'd read in US News and World Report that OT was like this up and coming great future job. And I was like, okay, dad. But I ended up shadowing, you know, all sorts of different OT settings um, to get a sense of it because I read the description and I had no idea what OT was. And then I shadowed and I still really didn't know what OT was because it was so varied. But I said, I think I could do any of these. These look fun. So I'm in. So that's kind of what drew me. And it's so fun. I just love that we can like do different things on different days of the week that are are so different, but are still so tied together with our skill set. So I love it. Absolutely. Man, I love the whole psychology behind when your parents tell you about something. It's like (laughs) nothing is ever good when your parents tell you. Like your parents could tell you you won the lottery and you'd be like, no, that's uh, no, I don't want the money. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) But uh, that's funny. Well, I'm glad you ended up finding occupational therapy. And if I remember right, you are actually relatively new to school-based OT, right? Mm -hmm. So how long have you been in OT? How long have you been in the schools? And yeah, we'll start there. Yeah. So I have been an OT for six years now. I just finished my first school year as a school-based OT and your podcast, I've gone through dozens and dozens of episodes (laughs) (laughs) in this past year learning and growing and it's been great. So thank you. Um, I also, uh, of course, have been partly uh, seeing kids with teletherapy for most of that time, you know, so I know everybody's a little different regionally, but most of my year has been spent doing that. So coming back for year two and the in-person is, you know, I've done some, but it's going to be another learning curve. So I guess that's just how it is for everybody right now. Anyway, adapting. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, if you made it through the last 18 months of a school-based OT, (laughs) I don't think it can get much more difficult than that. I mean, it was, Teletherapy was tough. I don't know about for you, but for me, it was tough. Yeah, absolutely. I think in some ways it was a lower bar for me because everyone was figuring it out. So Mm -hmm. people were very, I mean, I have a very supportive team, but I felt especially supported because everyone kind of felt like we're starting from scratch. So it was, yeah, I I learned a lot. I think that it was uh, an interesting time to have witnessed, you know, to see everybody kind of figuring this out and banding together. So I'm glad I, it was, I wouldn't say it was easy, but I'm glad that I was a part of it in some ways. Yeah. And I mean, it doesn't matter. You could have been an occupational therapist in the schools for 20 years before last Mm -hmm. year. You were still struggling last year. So it doesn't (laughs) matter where you were. The whole playing field just got leveled. Like everyone was, unless you were already practicing in teletherapy online, you basically had to figure it out. So um, we were all transitioning right there with you. (laughs) So You mentioned listening to the OT Schoolhouse podcast. What else helped make that school year a little bit easier? Did you have any other resources that were some go-to resources or any mentors? 
Yeah. Um, you know, I've been thinking about, I know we'll get into my background and what else I've yeah. done in a little bit, but I've been thinking about making the switch to school-based OT for a while. And I was really holding out to find like a supportive, like team lead or manager mm-hmm. or, you know, team that was going to be really supportive because I was just going to have a lot of learning to do. So it took me a little while to find it, but I think like my shout out to Laura, my OT lead, she <laughs> has been super supportive. So I would definitely call her my mentor. I also have multiple friends that I graduated from USC with back in 2015 who have been very helpful and just, you know, a phone call away when I have questions and then just digging through, you know, I mentioned the podcast, um, I bought the ebook of the AOTA school-based practice yes. on textbook and went through a lot of that. And I got to say the Facebook groups for some of these pediatric school-based OT communities have just been absolutely wonderful. You know, like any question under the sun is probably on there. And if not, I probably asked some <laughs> and it's just an amazing community. So all of those have been a huge help. 100%. Shout out to Laura. Shout out to the 2015 USC grads. Woot woot. Hope y'all are doing great. That <laughs> was a few years before that, but good job. And of course, all the Facebook groups. Yes, very helpful. I love the Facebook groups. I, you know, I wanted to start one for myself, but then I was like, why? There's so many good ones out there already for pediatric and school based OT. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I go on there too. Ask questions, answer questions. I'm there too. All right. So let's jump into school-based OT and ergonomics. First, let's start with ergonomics. How did you end up actually kind of getting into ergonomics? You know, we talk about this a little bit in schools, like when we're in OT school, but how did you just kind of end up going full throttle into ergonomics? Yeah, you know, it was always something that I'd been a little interested in when I was, uh, doing my, I guess, gap year after my bachelor's degree, when I was taking anatomy at night, you know, getting my prerequisites in for OT school, doing my shadowing. I was also temping at a a small uh, kind of tech company in the Bay Area, which is where I live, Northern California. And the HR team there was always kind of very puzzled by what to do if someone had an injury and like what, what keyboard should they get? Like, should they order a foot rest? They just kind of like, didn't really know where to go. And I think it was such a small company that it was just a question mark. No one really had a process set up for like how to find this stuff out. So I remember kind of thinking, I think that might be something that I might be able to figure out once I go to OT school. So it was like kind of in the back of my mind. And then I took an elective in ergonomics at USC, which was really fun and just kind of gave me a lot more of that information. We had a couple of guest lectures of OTs who were doing ergonomic consulting. So it just kind of planted the seeds. And yeah, I just think the whole time I got exposed to it, I just loved how preventative it was, you know, how you can spend like 20, 30 minutes with someone one time and just make a world of difference and, you know, preventing an injury, hopefully. And you can be super creative. You know, a lot of times there are uh, really low budgets for ergonomic services. And so you're not going to go out and get someone a thousand dollar desk. You got to kind of work with, you know, a stack of books and uh, (laughs) all those, you know, duct tapes and crazy stuff. Um, And it's, it's pretty unique. So that's kind of fun too, is, you know, not many people know that, well, I shouldn't say not many, but it's definitely a unique practice area for OTs. And I think it's a pretty well-kept great secret because it's pretty low stress. The hours are very good. I, you know, I used to work in the hospitals too. And so I feel like there were some aspects that I was like, Oh, I feel like I can breathe a little easier in yeah. this type of position. That's funny that you mentioned the, the low key ergonomic um, ways to fix things. Cause I'm not going to lie yesterday. I was on Costco.com and Amazon and looking for one of the, the adjustable stand up desks. 
And I got to the point where I'm even like measuring my office. I'm like, all right, do I want the 48 inch, the 55? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, which one? It's like ordering a TV. But then I'm like, I have to get rid of my other desk, which I already like. And then you get into the rabbit hole. And it's like, oh, well, you have the ones that can go on your desk and rise up. And then I'm oh, yeah. thinking, I'm like, dude, I have OT textbooks on my desk that are raising up my monitors for my kids back when phone books actually existed. You know, I'd tape up phone books with duct yeah. tape and put that under their feet turn the trash can on its side so they can put their feet on the trash can try and i mean anything right to kind of try and get them in a position where it's easier for them so you're Mm -hmm. right it's it's a little bit different than typical traditional per se occupational therapy but i can see how it could be a good a good change up Yeah, yeah absolutely All right. Before we get too far, though, I do want to give you the opportunity, actually, just to make sure we're all on the same page, to kind of define ergonomics, what it is. And sometimes the easiest way to answer this is just like, what is someone who has no idea what ergonomics is? And they ask you, what do you do? How do you explain that? Yeah. I mean, you know, we're all used to that. (laughs) Difficult (laughs) OT where it's like, how do I explain this? But ergonomics is kind of the same. I like, there's a a quote by Pheasant and Hargrave that I really like that says, ergonomics is the science of work, of the people who do it and the ways it is done, the tools and equipment they use, the places they work in, and the psychosocial aspects of the working situation. So, I mean, obviously a very broad definition, but basically we're looking at work and of course we'll get into this, but that might be, you know, children's work might be getting an education. So it doesn't have to be an office setting. But someone doing work and looking at the the social aspect, the physical aspect, the mental aspect, and kind of approaching the environment, approaching the person in the occupation, and uh, tackling all of those to ensure that people are healthy and we're promoting well-being. So if that's still a little broad, you can really spend a lot of time doing office ergonomics where you might go into someone's desk, like what you're mentioning, you know, a home office, we're seeing a lot of those and and suggest equipment if it's not fitting them well. Um, In a school, we'll dive into this, but you might look at furniture fit for your students. Um, If someone's working in a factory, you know, standing at a conveyor belt, you might suggest a task variation for them. Someone's in a wet lab, you know, you might suggest more automated pipetting equipment. So lots of different things, but the world's your oyster in terms of how you specifically approach that. <laughs> yeah, and you're right. That that uh, definition of ergonomics was very, very broad. And one of the key terms or two key terms that you used in that definition was physical, which I think makes sense. We're all used to uh, adapting the physical environment when it comes to ergonomics. But you also use the term social mm-hmm. adaptions, which I don't think of typically when I think of ergonomics. I don't know if you can elaborate on that a little bit more. Have you even really touched upon the social aspect? Yeah, I think it's kind of that mental health piece a bit too, in my mind. So if I'm evaluating someone, say, you know, in an office setting, and they are extremely stressed. You know, am I going to completely like take that out of it and just look at the physical piece and say, oh, your desk is too high. You know, obviously as OTs, we're like absolutely going to look at that. And I'm probably not going to provide mental health services for them long-term, but it's, uh, you know, there are uh, recommendations. If I know the company's HR department might, you know, have some resources Uh and employee assistance program, you know, I might kind of put that in the kind of write-up or, Depends on the situation, but, um, you know, that, or 
you know, just coworker interactions can also, if you're sitting in an open office space exactly. and uh, the coworker next to you clips their toenails in the middle of the day and that really bothers you, <laughs> um, maybe having a slightly further desk space will actually be conducive to your well-being at work. So just some random yeah. examples, but it really can look like a lot of different things. <laughs> no, that that is great examples. And I hadn't thought of that because you're right. You can't, you mentioned the PEO model, person, environment, occupation, and you know, I love that model. And that's absolutely true what you're saying, though, because even though you might give someone a new chair, a new desk, that doesn't mean it's going to fix the problem. If you don't address maybe some of the other issues, like what you use, the example you use, high stress. Well, I mean, sitting or standing, if you have high stress, that's still going to impact your body one way or the other. So very important to at least consider it. And I have to add, um, you'd mentioned like the sit-stand desk, which, uh, you know, I like those, but I do find a lot of times people get that and then they never stand. So there's the behavior aspect too, oh. even within like the individual person is like, you know, you'd like to have this, but are you yeah. actually like, can we work on like a, like a timer or reminder or right. some, some app that will help you remember or what motivates you to stand? Yeah. So, you know, all yeah. of those things that we as OTs are looking at with our, our clients are exactly the same in ergonomics. That's funny. Yeah, but that's totally true. I mean, all the, even the apps that we use on our phone to remind us about things. I mean, all of those once upon a time were really accommodations and now they're everyday life to remind us to, I mean, something simple as brushing your teeth in the morning, just a reminder to brush your teeth or a reminder to drink water. I mean, how many of us have a reminder every three hours to drink a glass of water? Mm -hmm. I mean, things that were accommodations at some point are now just everyday life. And so um, teaching people how to use even something like their cell phone, which they have on them 24 um, seven, that's one way you can do it. Yeah. Cool. So Ergonomics, you've been in OT for about six years, but you've only been in the schools for about one year. What were you doing during those five years related to ergonomics? Yeah, so I mentioned I had a brief stint working in um, inpatient in a hospital, but most of my time for the past five years um, was spent as an ergonomic consultant for a tech company. So I was a contractor, but I was pretty integrated with the like ergonomics department, actually within environmental health and safety which is a pretty common way that an ergonomics team or an ergonomic consultant might be integrated um, because, you know, there is a safety health and safety aspect to that. Um, I'm currently uh, also like per diem as an ergo consultant, but during uh, the bulk of my time in those five years, I did a lot of office assessments, but I also did some lab assessments, both dry lab, which is more like electronics and then wet lab, like, you know, I mentioned pipetting. <laughs> also some industrial assessments, saw some kitchen spaces, which was fun. Got to use some different standardized ergonomic assessments and then provide a lot of like one-on-one -on -one education, but also did some team education to kind of strike more preventatively. So since the pandemic started, <laughs> things, things shifted a bit. So while I was doing more ergonomics day-to-day uh, -day, uh, in that role, I really was focusing on working from home. So um, that has been, even uh, outside of schools, a big shift. And that same creativity element of like working with what people have, what space people have, yeah. totally different than being in the office. So that's been really fun for me. Wow. And so did you do any, I mean, you mentioned the per diem work and the consulting work. Did you mm -hmm. do Zoom calls with employees at all and like look at their workspace at home? Yes, I've been doing virtual evaluations 
like in various capacities for five years. So that wasn't a big switch for me, but seeing people at home, most of those people might've been, you know, in a different place than I was, but in an office. And now, uh, or I should say back at the start of the pandemic, especially people were just, you know, in a hotel room, um, that was 300 square feet and like trying to figure out how to work. So it was very, yeah, just very different than anything I'd seen before, which was really fun. (laughs) And there are a lot of solutions that you can provide in those spaces. It just forces you to be a little more creative, which I really like. So, um, (laughs) not, I I would say to anybody who has worked from home, you know, as a result of the pandemic, that it doesn't mean that you can't be comfortable and there aren't solutions, but you might just have to put in a little more effort to kind of look around the house and see what you have. (laughs) Wow. So, I, I think I might actually have this question later, but I'm going to ask it now because we're kind of on the topic of your previous employment. How did you even come to find a job like this? Like, you know, it's really easy. I, I don't know. You type in school-based OT jobs and they come up. Mm-hmm. I, do you type in occupational therapy, ergonomic jobs on Google or, or how do you even find these? Not at all. Yeah, it's totally different. And I think this is one of the big reasons that many OTs don't really know much about you know, how to, how to get into this or uh, what this might look like, because I don't search for OT related things. I search usually like when I'm keeping an eye on indeed.com, which is where I usually look, I just search the word ergonomic or ergonomist or ergonomic specialist, but usually just the word like ergonomic or even ergo, you'll have to sort through a lot, unfortunately, but it's not quite as clean cut as uh, OT positions where you need a license because you actually don't need a specific license or background to work in ergonomics. So um, of course, some backgrounds are more helpful than others, like our background in kinesiology and posture and activity analysis, all of those things are great, but you might find people coming from a lot of different backgrounds. And so I actually, when I first got into it and was looking for jobs after I'd kind of been exposed Uh to this, I just started searching on indeed the word ergonomic. And I also had sent some messages on LinkedIn, like cold Uh messages, very uncomfortable for me. (laughs) Um, Sent some messages to people in the Bay area who were either OTs or PTs who were doing, who seemed to be doing ergonomics for tech companies. Cause you know, being from the Bay area, I was like, that would be so cool. What would that be like? And I just messaged them and said, how did you get into this? Could I shadow you? No one really could let me shadow them, but someone gave me either a manager's email. And then I just kind of periodically would check in with this manager. And then that's kind of, one of the times I emailed, they had a position and then that's how I ended up, you know, interviewing for the position that I had for almost five years. So, um, was a roundabout way, but you know, I would say, don't, don't be afraid to just kind of look around for someone who is doing that type of thing. If that's what you're interested in. And often people are happy to help you, but if not, you know, starting with that basic search is good too. Yeah. Wow. So you mentioned OTs and PTs. Did you notice while you were in the field any other professions that were kind of gravitating toward ergonomics type of jobs or what did you, what did you see? Was it just OTs and PTs really applying or what type of other positions did you see applying for this type of job? You know, I would say OTs and PTs are actually less common, at least in my personal experience. Um, I don't have any hard, hard data on that, but I actually consulted for and still in per diem for a physical therapy company that does some ergonomic consulting. So okay. they have a few OTs in the clinic too, but the they actually have a lot more therapy background people because the, you know their primary focus is is outpatient therapy. Yeah. But of the other people that I've kind of run into, I ha- I've seen a lot of people who come in with maybe an athletic training background or I don't know 
bachelor's in human resources or kinesiology, or wow. um, it really, really can vary. I'm trying to think of who else, but yeah, it really draws a, a variety of people who have some sort of interest in like health sciences or movement um, or engineering. I actually um, have also met a lot of people in, you know, at conferences and things who are fo- like engineers who focus on like the ergonomic side, mm-hmm. um, but they might look more at design, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a mix. And I think the fact that you don't explicitly need a certain background yeah. or certification also is a little confusing <laughs> at first, but yeah. I think that also makes us very well qualified because we do have such wonderful training and a lot of relevant aspects. Yeah. Whenever you don't need a license or certificate or something, it definitely opens up the possibilities for other people to apply. But you kind of started to allude to, and so I want to go with it, is during your interviews, during your application processes, did you feel like having that OT degree supported you and helped you to find a job potentially? Yes, I, it was huge. They like communicated to me <laughs> that uh, it was a great background. I think the key thing when I'm talking to OTs who are interested in in ergonomics, you know, as a, a consulting or something like that uh, side of school specifically, that job search term criteria being different is one thing that's a hurdle. Mm-hmm. And the other hurdle is when you get an interview or when you're sending in your resume, I have a different resume for that type of work yeah. that is basically, it's the same experience, but I don't use our like OT lingo terms. Mm-hmm. I use terms that a lay person would understand, you know, who doesn't know the OT world. So it's still relevant, but it's slightly different. And same with interviews. I, I, tr- I really try to use terms that make sense without talking about, oh, you know, I saw, I don't know, just talking about caseload in the hospital didn't, wouldn't yeah. really make sense to them. Yeah. So I think just thinking about vocabulary was, was yeah. the other big piece. Gotcha. That's two great tips for anyone looking for a job. <laughs> All right. That leads right into the next question I have is you talked about using different lingo. You know, if you're in an interview for a corporation, a tech corporation, you're not going to throw out terms like IDEA, IEP, like (laughs) those are out the window. Vestibular, probably, yeah, you're not going to use those. But where did you learn this lingo for ergonomics? Did you go out and search for additional training outside of school? You did mention that you had an elective at USC about ergonomics, but I'm sure you've read books, went to conferences, maybe? What have you done to further your education in that particular area? Yeah, well, I would say first, like the the, the day-to-day, I think familiarizing myself with the standardized assessments that I got in the elective was, mm-hmm. a, you know, a crucial piece in the beginning. But working with clients doing education, I need to use simple language anyway. So, you know, going out and like learning all the technical terms and things, I, I'm still going to exactly the same way we do with like, you know, family education, you know, like I'm really going to think about the way I present it. So that said, I use the textbook Ergonomics for Therapists by Karen Jacobs, who is actually my, (laughs) my academic advisor when I did my OTD, which was really wonderful because it gave me as a therapist kind of a good perspective on ergonomics. AOTA also has a lot of school-based OT ergo stuff and some ergonomic things in general. So that is a great resource. Um, And uh, depending on interest, I actually have a course for occupational therapists who want to work in ergo. And I also will have a free school-based OT ergonomics webinar at some point in the fall. Um, There are also some other online and in-person courses on ergonomic topics. So depending on, you know, if you're interested in industrial ergonomics for factories, you know, there's something specific for that. Um, So it kind of depends on what level you're looking for. 
Yeah. And, you know, we always have show notes. We'll be sure to link your website so that people can find that, the other resources you have. You mentioned familiarizing yourself with a few assessments. Um, You don't need to go into detail, but are there a few big ones that you would recommend anyone kind of look into if they're interested in this line? Oh, that's a good question. I've just been kind of going through my list for the course. So they're all fresh in my mind and it's really honestly hard to pick. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So there are a few checklists out there that are pretty, uh, pretty standard. And then there are also a few kind of more standardized assessments. So one that I really like is the Reba um, rapid. Well, I'm thinking of the Ruba and the Reel actually. Anyway, there are a few, but um, there are a few kind of one to two page. You kind of take a quick look at posture and it gives you a score. Um, the Ruba and the Rela, I can send you those links okay. um, and those are freely available. And, you know, as a school-based OT, you might not actually be using those to assess children, but I think that might still be kind of a nice just gateway into like what, what we're looking for. I mean, we look at posture all the time, so I don't yeah. think that's new for anyone, but yeah. <laughs> it's kind of nice to see another uh, aspect of that. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Yeah. Go ahead and just, um, you can send me those resources at any time and we will add it on here. You also mentioned your your mentor, which Karen Jacobs. I love Karen Jacobs. And Karen, if you are listening to this, let's do a podcast together sometime. <laughs> if you're listening to Kirsten on this podcast, you need to know that we, you and I need to jump on a, a call together and do one of these because you just have so much knowledge to share. So I just got to plug that in real quick. But that's so awesome that you get to, to work with her. Did you meet her and start working with her as part of your OTD? You know... I actually met her at uh, the Human Factors and Ergonomics Society conference in October. And then I I had kind of, there weren't any OTs there. Um, and so I had kind of found her on the brochure and was like, I got to go to everything she's doing. And I went up to her at a poster and she, in five minutes, convinced me to do the Boston University <laughs> OTD program. And she was my academic mentor. And she has such a wonderful background in school and ergonomics. So yep. Um, it was a perfect fit. So yes, she has been a huge uh, support in uh, developing that course as my OTD project. She was a huge advocate for that too. Awesome. Yeah, she's a brilliant mind. She's always going and I just, yeah, she's fantastic. So you mentioned yeah. you went there for your OTD and it sounds like you actually did your OTD in relationship to ergonomics. What was that all about? Yeah, so A lot of people, as we kind of touched on earlier, who are OT practitioners really don't know how to get started in ergonomics or really totally feel like they know what it is. We do have some questions on the licensing exam, but I think we spend a lot less time talking about ergonomics or at least terming things ergonomics that we look at. As I said, we look at posture all the time Mm -hmm. (laughs) and grasp and things like that, which are kind of overlapping in ergonomics and other areas. But I just felt like we have such a good background in activity analysis and our knowledge of kinesiology and creativity. Mm-hmm. So I thought that we are such a great fit that it's strange that under 2% of OT practitioners are in that practice area. But I saw a statistic that about 69% wanted more information on oh, wow. work and industry, which gap. is what ergonomics is under. So yes, and also um, musculoskeletal disorders were the most common non-fatal work-related injury in 2019. So it's just a huge scope, you know, like ergonomics can have such an impact. So I felt like we really needed more people, whether they're ergonomics consultants or whether, you know, we're in schools or in hospitals, like there are aspects of ergonomics in each. And I really felt like it was an opportunity for us as OT. So that's what led me to start developing that course. That's awesome. 
Well, I'm excited. I, th- I think a lot of people are going to benefit from what you have to share with them, especially on ergonomics. So that's fantastic. And you're also, you said you're doing a webinar on specific to school-based OT. So even yes. better for our population, at least. <laughs> yes, that should be a one-hour webinar. So I'll be condensing just the information that I think is most crucial. I won't have you go through all eight to 10 hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's cool. Very cool. So before we move on to how ergonomics relates to school-based OT, that's what we're going to get into for like the second, you know, half of this this episode. I want to ask you one more job as it relates to ergonomics outside of school-based OT and the job and and all of that. And would you say it's a growing field, a shrinking field, a steady field? Um, do you think there's going to be a lot more opportunities for school-based OTs to get into this type of area? Yeah. Are you thinking more like as consultants? Yeah. Consultant or yeah. I don't know. Do I don't even know if big businesses, do they hire their own person on just to do ergonomics or is it mostly consulting work? Yeah, that's a great question. The very, very large companies will have an internal team. I was at a very large company as a contractor and I was still a contractor. So even if you're part of like a team that's just at one company, you might still be a contractor or a consultant. You might just you know have more hours there. But if uh, if it's not a really, really large company, it might be more of like a quarterly need or they might want to have someone on hand if, oh, we think there's an issue here. So it depends, but all oh, the need is absolutely there and it's growing. I mean, especially with all of these changes and what work looks like with uh-huh. people just working from home with, you know, of course, none of us had much warning. And so I've seen a lot of discomfort coming from that. And I, I want to touch on that in terms of us as school-based OTs too, because we have to think about ourselves and our own health and well-being. I'm sure there are people listening who have had some sort of discomfort yeah. or injury come up of working from home on a laptop without much warning. <laughs> but uh, yeah, transitioning back to the office, things might start looking different. Some people might not be there you know, people might be rotating desks or people might be partly working from home. So I think there's a huge need. And as I said, that that musculoskeletal disorder incidence is so high. And we really, if you look at the um, the data, we can save so much money by, you know, providing ergonomic services, whether it's preventative or we're addressing uh-huh. something that's already going on. If you make the case um, that the company can really save so much money in workers' compensation costs yeah. and it's a huge and growing field. So I think we have to kind of think a little bit about how we approach that and present that. So for new people, I found it easier to go with an existing company that had an opening for a consultant, but um, I think it's a, it's a wonderful thing to keep an eye on. And I do touch on the, the promoting ourselves and uh, making the financial case for services in the course, if that's something people are interested in too. Gotcha. You know, sorry, I just keep coming up with new questions. So um, (laughs) we're going to stay here a little bit longer. And that is, so you are a consultant, you work for a, you said at the time, or I don't know if it still is, but for a physical therapy practice, the company that is reaching out to the physical therapy practice, asking for a consultant to come in to look at ergonomics, what are they really asking for? Do they even know what they're asking for? Are they saying we have a budget of you know $20,000 and we want everyone to have nice ergonomic desks? Are they asking for one particular person you to come look at? What What is that even... What is the referral per se, if we're going to use more OT terms? Yeah, you know, I think it can look really different. And I, I'm not super privy to that at yeah. that specific company. But in general, I would say it really, it can be kind of a one-off where, oh, we've had a couple injuries and we're a little worried about this. So we want someone to kind of come and mm-hmm. do it. 
write a report and tell us, you know, what we should change, what equipment we should change, like give it, give us a list, here's our budget, and then we'll address it. So that could be Uh, one thing. I think there is gradually more and more knowledge about ergonomics on the company level. And so, um, and sometimes it's seen as a perk, which fundamentally I don't really believe it is, but it can feel like that, especially at these large tech companies. So I think that it's, it's popular, uh, if you offer it, but also I do think that there's a sense that, you know, it will protect the employees and it will hopefully save the company money. So, um, I think sometimes, uh, you might be approached or sometimes the consulting company might approach, you know, just companies and say, do you have anybody offering a service? Like this is how much money it might save. And then that might be how that relationship starts. Wow. So it can probably vary quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. I mean, and you know, it's very different once you get out of the public sector of schools, you know, things are so mm-hmm. much different once you get out of um, government funded entities of any kind. I mean, they can really do anything they want. Yeah. And so you've got Google wants one thing, Apple wants something completely different. And then any subsidiary of them wants something else. So yeah, it can vary definitely big time. All right. So we're going to kind of, as much as I could probably ask you questions about the field of ergonomics outside of school-based OT, obviously most of the listeners that listen to this ep- or to this podcast are school-based OTs and they want to know what they can do with their clients, how ergonomics relates to school-based OT. And so I guess my first question is, is how do you feel like having that vast knowledge in ergonomics has helped you as a school-based OT? Yeah. So I mentioned posture a lot. (laughs) So we all know that that's a piece of, you know, an overlapping piece. I would say looking at grasp um, is also something that I feel that, you know, my my background in ergonomics Mm -hmm. helps me to do is a little bit stating the obvious, but doing teletherapy, I think computer usage, I like, I'm very well equipped to look at, you know, what, what is my student using? um, What am I using that's uh, working for me or not working for me specifically? How are my eyes doing? Am I straining them, you know, while I'm using all of these screens? Yeah. Also, how is the furniture fitting? You talked about using the trash can as the footrest, so that type of thing, you know, like, is the chair too high? What can we uh-huh. do about that? A lot of the furniture that we see in schools is just one size. And, you know, it might, you know, we might not have, you know, kind of thought about what size that is, or it might obviously not fit every, every percentile of student. Also looking at backpacks, I know AOTA has an annual backpack awareness day that Karen Jacobs was very involved in. Surprise, <laughs> surprise. Of course. But I think as we come back to schools, especially, it's great to highlight because the, uh, depending on what area you're in and how how much people were going back in, my students, at least, most of the year were virtual. And so we haven't thought about how much weight is in a backpack and how a backpack is fitting. And if we're using one from two years ago, it's probably not going to fit anymore. Right. And then just movement, what, the same kind of behavior modification we were talking about with standing at the desk, I think is a great thing to think about with students. And we think about that, but we don't always realize that that's also ergonomic. So some of these things we're all doing, but I do mm-hmm. think that having that background and you know doing it with adults for a long time, I, I do a lot of the same things with my students. Yeah. And so over the past, we'll just say the last school year, what have been some very common things that you've said to kids, said to parents, said to teachers as a result to ergonomics and kids learning from home and obviously people not being in the same room and learning. Yeah. I mean, first off, it's been tough. You know, I 
I think we all have kind of adapted our expectations a bit. You're not going to get like the cleanest, most straightforward therapy session all the time. You know, parents might or might not be able to be there. So, you know, we do the best we can, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I would say I I mentioned computers and that's such a crucial piece of ergonomics, both for us and for our students. And we've seen a huge increase um, in computer usage for school-age students over the pandemic, not shocking to anyone, but we really don't know what the long-term trends of that will be, especially as it relates to eye care, um, but also musculoskeletal disorders and posture and all of that. So I developed some handouts on computer usage. Um, I know uh, the Human Factors and Ergonomic Society has some too. Um, We'll have some links in there. But uh, just kind of that basic knowledge of having a screen at eye level. Um, If your students are on a laptop, maybe having a separate keyboard and mouse for them that's more at elbow height and then putting the screen on some books just to have that basic, you know, looking straight ahead at the screen and also having your elbows kind of at 90 degrees while you're typing and mousing. If you can, I didn't always get there with my students. If not, um, I know that a big push at some of my schools has been um, to have everyone's faces on Zoom, you know, to like be able to see the whole face and like actively participating. And Uh for me, I absolutely cannot have my laptop screen angled that way over the course of the day. So uh, personally, I I would encourage students to angle it back a little bit more so I can see the forehead, which is what all my junior hires love to do anyway, is just show me the very top of their head. But (laughs) (laughs) to have it angled so you're not looking down quite as hard at the screen, it's kind of coming to you a little bit more. And, you know, I know this is diving a little bit into interoception, but also some of our students might not really be paying attention to, is my neck aching from looking down all day? So we really have to like walk them through, how are you feeling with this position? So I would ask that a lot. Like, are you noticing your neck is sore? Are you noticing your wrists are sore? You know, do you feel like you're hunching down? And usually they say, no, I feel fine. But, you know, just kind of helping them walk through that. And that can help us catch any ergonomic risks that are there. I also would encourage having a dedicated space, although again, definitely didn't have that with all of my students. (laughs) So you got to take what you can get. It's tough, but I think lots of parent collaboration and education, um, you know, sensory tips, a lot of self-feedback about organization at home um, and really just having a team effort was, was huge. I had a lot of teachers once I started giving handouts on ergonomics really coming to me someone asked me specifically about eye strain. So then I made a handout on eye strain to distribute. Um, I ended up doing like a little five minute online video for the teachers on ergonomics so that they could protect themselves. So I think it really gave us some nice visibility into what OT can do (laughs) apart from handwriting. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Trying to get away from just being the handwriting teacher. Um, No, I love that. I mean, I've got my setup here and yeah, I I had to, I've raised up my laptop a little bit. So it's, it's not at eye level, but it's definitely a lot higher than what it what it would be if it's just sitting on the table. I've got my my keyboard, my separate keyboard, and my separate mouse here, and my second monitor is on top of a textbook, <laughs> Will, Willard and Speckman's occupational therapy textbook. <laughs> and so, um, no, I, I I get that. You know, we're all trying to do that with kids. It's been difficult. I mean, I've worked with a few sessions with kids, and it's like they're at their dining room table mm-hmm. learning. And I went as far with this student. I knew she was getting distracted. Her teachers were telling me she's distracted all the time. And so I was like, all right, well, no name. Uh, what is behind your computer screen? And oh my gosh, she turned around her computer screen. 
She was so nervous about doing it. And just the entire rest of the dining room table was just filled with toys. And uh, luckily, the mom was kind of in the background listening. And so uh, she was very open when I started because, you know, mom has tried to do something. This goes back to the conversation I think we had earlier about, you know, if dad tells you something, it, it means nothing. But if someone else tells you something, right? And so the mom was very happy to hear me talk about, hey, we need to have separate areas for play and a separate area for learning. And um, I know that's not possible for everyone, especially learning at home. But when it is possible, I that's that's huge because um, she went from being super distracted in class to actually being able to get some work done. And all it was was making sure that her toys stayed up in her room as opposed to down in her working area. So. Yeah, big aspect. Absolutely. All right. So going back to your experience in a school-based OT, we have talked so much about ergonomics here, but obviously you can't just be an ergonomic-only occupational therapist in the schools. I, I like to say that we have to be a, we have to know a little bit about everything because we could have a kid with autism one day, a kid with Down syndrome the next minute, and we have to know a little bit about all of it. We can't specialize in one thing. And so while I know you bring the ergonomic side to the table, I mean, I don't even know how to ask this question. I mean, you're not just an ergonomic therapist in the schools. You have to do everything, right? Absolutely. Yes. So I, I do focus a lot on, you know, kind of my, my individual students as I'm working with them one-on-one, but this is also a great tier one to think about it. I I say that so that to make the point that it fits into what I'm doing with them, you know, so it's not, I'm usually not doing just an ergonomic session. Um, It's kind of integrated with other things that we're doing. I think also, you know, maybe plugging in self-feedback if we're working on handwriting and we're doing some self-feedback or, you know, putting in a question about ergonomics there. There might be times where I spend kind of a little bit more of one session, you know, checking in on how's your backpack weight, you Mm -hmm. know, or how, you know, organization wise, you know, how many things are you putting in your backpack? And that might be more of like a monthly Mm check-in or something like that. Or, you know, if we're working on typing, the first couple times of the year, we might focus on computer ergonomics, you know, talking through a little bit of that, because I do work with older students, junior high and high school. And so talking through that, and then potentially even if I have a self-feedback for typing, maybe making, making, you know, where was the keyboard positioned or, you know, was I using the mouse or was I using the trackpad or something like that? But most of, most of the sessions I, I do integrate with other things. It's not exclusively ergonomics. Yeah. I would also say that, um, if I'm doing an observation, um, I might spend a, a lot more time looking at ergonomics then while I'm observing other things at the same time, yeah. especially, you know, I mentioned backpacks. So maybe looking at the fit of the backpack, um, ideally a backpack should have maximum up to 10% of a child's body weight. So I, I probably won't have a scale on hand, but yeah. I might get a good sense if I pick it up and I'm like, this right. feels like 25 pounds right there. Um, also observing, you know, if I'm observing typing or, you know, like anything like that in the classroom, I'm going to note the ergonomics of that. So are they reaching really far up the desk for the keyboard? Are they really, are they on the laptop and their screen is just totally upright and they're cranking their neck down to look at it? Obviously we all know to look for, are their feet dangling or are they planted mm-hmm. on the floor? Is the chair way too big for them? Do we maybe need to, to throw a cushion on there? 
Um, is the desk height looking like it's, you know, around their elbow height for typing or a little bit higher yeah. for writing? We look at slant boards. So all that to say, generally, it's not just an ergonomics day. But if I'm observing, I might spend a little more time thinking about that. Yeah. And I've told this story many times, too, is I've seen kids that are being scolded at for moving in their seat. And I was literally watching the kid and the kid was trying to put their foot on the bottom of the table because that's all that they could reach. Mm -hmm. It was like the, um, you know how they go down and they tee at the bottom? They were trying to put their feet on that tee because they couldn't reach the floor and got scolded because they were sitting at the edge of their desk because that's where they could actually reach uh, reach the floor. And with that, this leads into the next question, because I know you do some trainings. And so in my experience, when I did that, you know, I wasn't going to say anything to the teacher right in the moment. I mean, first of all, I'm in there observing in the middle of the day. I'm not just going to go up to the teacher and say something. But I did later. I I sent an email and just then said, I didn't say any specific kid or anything, but just, hey, just so you know, some kids weren't able to reach the floor and went about it that way. How do you go about helping teachers when you see kids not necessarily, maybe not using the best posture, not able to reach the seat? Or if you notice something in the classroom, how do you help the teachers? Yeah, I, I love what you said about, you know, maybe sending an email out, especially if it's not for a specific student. So I think that's, you know, a pretty what's the word, I guess, non-aggressive, you know, it's Mm -hmm. not in the moment, it's later. So they have time to think about it. I think that's great. And, you know, offering to kind of maybe suggestions for, oh, it looks like a few kids had their feet dangling. Uh, You mentioned phone books and how we never have those, but (laughs) if if there's like something similar that, you know, we can, we we might think about having a few in the back of the room that, you know, if, if anybody is noticing that, you know, kids can kind of pull, um, same with like cushions and, um, and keyboards. And um, also I'd say the same in terms of breaks, which is something I think we do as OTs in schools think about a lot. But if, if I notice that it looks like uh, doing a little bit more of a stretch break, as opposed to kind of a break seated, doing something slightly different, you know, I might throw that in the email too. If it's, if it's kind of a one-off and I know the teacher, well, I might say it in person kind of right at the end, but I like to, if, if there's something that I can offer as a resource at the same time, I like to do that. So I might wait until, you know, I have like a stretch handout or I can offer to, you know, lead a stretch break so they can kind of see some of the different stretches. Yeah, that type of thing. Yeah. And earlier you mentioned a short, like five minute training that you did. Was that for the teachers or for the kids? And how did that come about? Yeah, you know, that's kind of a fun story. It was for the staff and not the students. And people had kind of known when I joined this year that I had done ergonomics before. I think, you know, it was uh, just kind of the background that I shared when everybody was meeting each other on Zoom because we did everything online at the beginning of the year. And so uh, my, team lead had asked me to do like a two minute or five minute ergo kind of working from home tips for our like staff meeting, you know, one of the first meetings of the year. So just a couple minutes. And then someone there said, Oh, could you maybe give us a handout? And so I made a handout and then our director of special ed was there and she really liked it. And so then she said, Oh, wow. Could you, would you consider making a five to 10 minute video about working from home for everybody. Um, And then our HR team could distribute it. So that's how I ended up doing a five minute video of myself at my kitchen table with like sitting on a, you know, a couch pillow um, and with my laptop on a bunch of books and recorded that myself. And then that ended up being distributed to the entire kind of regional team, which was very cool. Wow. That is impressive. That's cool. And you're right though. I just want to point out too, is that 
It is amazing. And I, and I tell therapists in my course, I tell them all the time, one thing can turn into something much bigger. Yeah. And like for you, it just started with, it sounded like it started with like a little one school just wanted a little bit, a few tips, and then mm-hmm. it ended up and the whole district is now seeing your little video. And so start small. You don't need to change the world all at once. You can help one teacher, which may turn into two teachers, which may turn into an entire school, which may turn into an entire district. And, you know, you don't have to start big. You don't have to create a video for the entire district to start. Just start with one teacher and you'll be surprised at how far that really can go. And it sounds like that's exactly what happened with you. Definitely. That's right. Yeah. And I mentioned one of the teachers later said, oh, well, do you have anything for eye care? And I didn't. So I ended up, you know, a month later when I had some time making something. And then um, a couple months later, that same teacher said, oh, we've had a request from our school to have a presentation on executive function. Oh, what about the OT? And so (laughs) I ended up co-presenting with the school psychologist, but I I really think I probably wouldn't have been thought of first for that unless, you know, they had been like, oh, well, she's done this. So that was kind of a cool visibility opportunity for me. Yeah. Yep. And you know, the same exact thing happened to me. I, I presented for our three or four special education teachers at a school and the um, director of special education happened to be there. And then the next thing I knew, she wanted us to present at a much larger meeting. And then you're presenting for paraprofessionals, for teachers, for people that you would have never had the chance to introduce to occupational therapy and what we can do um, unless you start with that that first little thing. So very cool. All right. Remind me again, you are now in the schools. Is it a public school, private school, charter school? What is it? Yes. Thanks for asking. I didn't mention that earlier, so it's probably a little confusing. So (laughs) I work for uh, KIPP charter schools in Northern California. So um, it's, it's basically like, you know, a large district. So we have a few schools in San Jose. We have a few schools in Redwood City. Anyway, we're kind of distributed. I couldn't even tell you what the, the current number of schools That's is. Right. They're always opening one or two more. But I do work for a charter school system um, supporting junior high and high school students. And um, so I go to five or six different schools and uh, kind of do, do a variety of things. And so in August, are you going to be returning in person for the most part? As far as I know, <laughs> that's yeah. the plan right now. I think um, we're all kind of waiting to see with California what uh, what changes are happening. I think for now we're wearing masks, but, you know, the school year hasn't really started. So I don't think I've heard too much official. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so do you think it's going to be fairly similar, similar in your practice when you obviously things are going to be in person when that happens as opposed to online. But do you think your actual practice as an occupational therapist, other than just being on a computer, is going to change very much? Or do you think it's still going to be pretty similar? You mean in terms of like what I'm doing? Yeah, what you're actually doing. Yeah, you know, when we did get to see some of our students in person, um, the second half of the school year, Mm -hmm. you know, not everybody, but it was interesting because some things I actually kept very much the same. Some things I tried to change up, but <laughs> of course at that point, you know, some things were in boxes. We didn't yeah, have all yeah. the equipment we would normally have. And so it was actually great because I, I really was a minimalist, you know, I was like, okay, yes. I got a piece, I got some printer paper, I've got some markers. This is <laughs> what I know creative. I have today. I can do stuff with this yep. and I know yeah. some stretches. So I think it will be, uh, I'll have a lot more equipment. I mean, I, I had it available, but you know, yeah. I just really didn't want to have that much on my brain. <laughs> so I wanted to start really simple, you know, do some, you know, bring in like one toy, bring in, uh, you know, one game. Um, and so I think I'll probably be expanding a lot more <laughs> the types of activities that I'm doing. But I do think that 
whether we end up having to do virtual at some point in the future or not, you know, I think it's more, there's more awareness about it now. And so having yeah. those, that ergonomic knowledge about computer skills, even if we're just working on typing with a student yeah. is, is going to be more and more of an important piece to have. Absolutely. And you know, you're in a unique uh, position. I didn't realize you're mostly with junior and high school. That's yeah. fairly unique. I feel like most of us occupational therapists, we tend to at least have one elementary school and typically it's, you know, several elementary schools, maybe one junior and maybe one high school. But that's unique that you're more in that upper grade. Have you ha- had the chance to focus at all in working with kids and their actual cell phone devices because you're in that older? I know a lot of kids now are using their cell phone to take pictures of notes or to even uh, maybe use text to speech. Have you, has that come up? Yeah. You know, it's kind of funny because I've been on campus less than I've been virtual. It's possible that I'm not super up to date, but (laughs) my understanding is that they don't allow cell phones, at least at the schools that were in person when I was there um, during the day, unless of course there were a special need. So there have been instances where we've used an iPad or a laptop for some of those features, you know, like the PDF to print. I mean, Mm -hmm. the, I'm forgetting the names of all those apps where you can write on them, Um, but definitely, um, we definitely do a fair amount of focusing on that. And I know I spent a lot of time kind of talking about Grammarly this year, talking oh, about, yeah. you know, looking at read and write and co-writer and like which would be appropriate for which kid and word prediction and um, using the text-to-speech or, sorry, the voice dictation feature on Google Docs and mm. all of that. So I'm still definitely learning. One of the other people on my team is kind of my go-to for assistive technology recommendations. But I think we do a fair amount of that with the the older students for sure. Gotcha. All right. Well, Kirsten, I want to say thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing so much about ergonomics, both in the schools and outside of schools. Really appreciate you coming on and just giving us so much information about that. Um, It's really awesome to see how things that you learn outside of the school-based world can kind of be brought into the school-based OT world and just make you an even better therapist through all that learning outside. Before I let you go, is there any resources where people or I maybe not even resources, just where can people learn more about you? Do you have a website or Instagram or what do you prefer to uh, have people find you at? Yeah. So the best place is my website, which is Kirsten, K-I-R-S-T-E-N dot Bechet, B-E-S-H-A-Y dot net slash school ergo. Um, That's where I'm going to have information about my free one hour webinar on ergonomics for schools that should be out in the fall. So um, that's probably the best place to start. I'm also on LinkedIn. So all of that information will also, I'm sure, be up there at some point. So I'm sure this will be in the show notes. But I would say LinkedIn or that website are my best points of contact. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate you doing this. And I'm sure everyone out there listening has uh, just learned so much from you today. So I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. It was so much fun to be here. <laughs> thank you. And we'll have to catch up more once you got that course out. And I'm look forward, looking forward to that webinar. That'll be a good one. So I will uh, be checking out kirsten.bache.net forward slash school ergo. And we, w- we will, of course, put the links to everything you just mentioned and, and maybe even some of the resources you mentioned above in the show notes. With that, thank you. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you for having me. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.
Thank you all again so much for checking out the OT Schoolhouse podcast. I really hope this episode with Kirsten really just opened your eyes to ergonomics and what OTs can do in the field of ergonomic. Even if you are working as a school-based occupational therapist, there is definitely something that you can look at in regards to ergonomics. And for some of you, you might be looking to venture out of school-based OT. Know that there is something you can do out there with ergonomics, all right? With that, take care. I really hope you enjoy this episode, and I will see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the OT Schoolhouse podcast. For more ways to help you and your students succeed right now, head on over to otschoolhouse.com. Until next time, class is dismissed.